for that month, I probably raked in like 50 million views in that video. That's when I was like, oh my God, like this is what I'm doing now. Like I just made a drawing that was goofy. It was probably the most viral video of the month. It reached every corner of the world. It was huge in Brazil. Teachers were DMing me that they uh, were showing their students in their classroom. It really did launch an entire new career for me. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're bringing you an interview with Danny Casal, aka Cool Man Coffee Dan. Now, we actually recorded this episode a few weeks ago, and we've been holding it off to release it with a YouTube video that we did with Danny, but we felt like right now was a really good time to release it because Danny's story is extremely inspiring. And he built his career from his bedroom, which is where a lot of us are spending most of our time now. Danny is a New York City-based artist who gained popularity through his surreal and poorly drawn animations. Now, he calls himself a bad animator, but his bad animations have made their way all the way onto the big screens at Times Square. He has 2 million subscribers on YouTube, 2 million on Instagram, 1.5 million on Facebook, and another 1.3 million on TikTok. So clearly these animations are connecting with a lot of people. Danny is a multifaceted creator. Along with his animations, he's also a fantastic writer and musician. He recently released an album on Spotify and had big plans for a tour with some of his fellow animators, but due to the current situation in the world, that has been postponed. Although he's been uploading to YouTube for over 10 years now, his style really took off only a few years ago when he released an animation titled Snakes Have Legs. I was scrolling down my Facebook timeline, maybe, yeah. and it said snakes have legs. No. Yeah. I gotta go tell everybody. Yeah, you, you go tell everybody, man, because it's true. This was basically a PSA for people to stop believing everything that they read on the internet. And if you look up this video, it's very likely that you've seen it. It has well over 50 million views across the internet. Spending the day with Danny here in LA was awesome. He's, he's a big inspiration to us. His message is so strong and his style is incredibly relatable. I would recommend checking him out on Instagram if you haven't already before you listen to this so you get a feel for his style. He even recently put out a song about washing your hands, which is very relevant right now. All right, I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Danny Casal, a.k.a. Cool Man Coffee Dan. Man, it's pretty exciting, dude. Yeah. Sitting here with Cool Man Coffee Dan in Silver Lake. What a we Los out Angeles. here. It's a windy day here in L.A., but we're doing it. We're doing it. You just served us up some spindrift, and we just had some tacos, which were phenomenal. Uh, you know, what else could a guy want? You know, you got the bubblies, and you got um, some spicy, and, um, you know, it's like the recipe for, for happiness as far as I'm concerned. So we're surrounded here by a lot of your artwork, but this is actually not yeah, yeah, your, yeah. technically not like your home home. Yeah, everything except the stock photos of New York is my artwork. <laughs> the first thing I asked you when you came, or one of the first things I asked you was like, yo, are you really into Aubrey Hepburn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I hate that that's a thing right now. I, it's it's like if I take it down, it's just a blank spot on the wall. But uh, that's what the Airbnb came with, you know? So, so let's explain. You're here in an Airbnb in LA. Yep. Where, where are you usually based and what are you doing out here? Usually based in Brooklyn, New York. Um and uh, this was pretty much the first year where I was able to kind of say fuck it and bounce from the cold. 
and um, I have my manager out here. I have a bunch of good friends out here, creative partners. And uh, it, the time just came where I was like, I could just not suffer through the rest of winter, which also acts as like a very big depression slash creative block point in my life routinely every year. So I was like, I could not do that. Do the holidays because I have my family out there, but then just skip out on January through April. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I wouldn't advise it to it to do to other people because I am still paying rent on my place back in New York right. for an empty room. Um, but it just seemed like the thing to try once while I am young and stupid and I have those excuses on my side. And it's been working out wonderfully. I couldn't be happier that I did it this way. Do you feel more creative out here? Like, I know you mentioned the cold obviously being a creative block, but like, where do yeah. you feel more stimulated? Um, I, it's really, I'm, I'm stimulated when cre- creatively, like, the ideas just come to me whenever I'm happy and like comfortable. When um, in New York, when it's cold and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of like, I'm my own boss, so, like, no one else is going to tell me to, like, get out of the house. Like, I'll be stuck in the house, and it'll be, like, I don't know, like, 4 p.m., and I haven't done anything all day, and I'm just like, ah, this sucks. It's such, like, a creative buzzkill. But out here, it's, like, at least so far, you know, I've been I've been here for a month and a half, two months. I've been feeling very creatively um, inspired, fulfilled, Probably a little bit because of the weather, um, but also just because it's a change of space, you know. Totally, and yeah. I'm not lonely because I have so many good people out here that I already know. Um, so that's like a huge, uh, it's kind of like a cheat code. Because if I, I could go somewhere else that's super cool, like Denver, Colorado or something, um, and that would be just as much of a scene switch. But I don't have friends out there. So this kind of acts as like the perfect in between where I'm able to completely like kill whatever routine I had going on back in New York and um, just kind of focus on uh, on creating out here. And when I want to hang out with people, I have a bunch of friends to uh, hit up. So it was the it was the right move at the right time. Um, Financially, it was the first year I was able to do it as well, you know, so. Um, I'm happy to be here, though. I really, I, it was definitely the, the move for me, personally. So in this Airbnb, although there there are you know things that are not yours on the wall, we're also surrounded by a lot of your own art yeah. lists. It's actually like an incredible visual into yeah. your world, yeah. where there's different things written. Like I'm looking right past your shoulder. There's something that says 1080 by 1350 feet ratio, <laughs> which is clearly something about a reminder about Instagram. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's um, that's the ratio for the feed video right. feed post. Yeah, it's it's an amazing eclectic mix of notes to yourself, motivation, series that you're working on, things you need to do, and then some of them are just almost standalone art pieces. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of doodles. Um, I guess there's more notes than doodles, though. I think, and it's interesting because like I haven't really thought about it, but. I guess it looks weird when you walk in and you see a bunch of notes everywhere, like I'm some conspiracy theorist or something. But uh, no, my apartment in New York, like, I had a whiteboard. So when I moved here for the winter, I was like, well, I don't have a whiteboard, so I guess I'll just, like, I bought a stack of printing paper, and I'm just like, I'll just 
do my to-do lists and ideas and write on a piece of printing paper and hang it up. But they just kept building, and I kept having more and more ideas and sketches and doodles and whatever that uh, it built up pretty quick around here. I've only been here for, you know, like I said, a month and a half, and it looks like I've been living here for like a year with the amount of shit that's on the wall right now. But uh, it's uh, it started out as just like a temporary solution for not having a whiteboard, but now it's like they're they're everywhere, and it is like an interesting like manifestation of my thoughts and ideas, you know, because they're just kind of like everywhere around this Airbnb right now. Yeah, and I think what's kind of cool is if you actually look at them and you read them, you can tell that it's uh, it's almost like the voice in your head. It's like the voice of your thoughts. Yeah, which for me, when I first came across your animation, that's I think what makes your animation so special in the writing is because it feels very personal to you, but yeah. also somehow personal to me and millions of other people. Right. So it's like the voice in your head that's relating to all of us. Yeah, yeah. It is, I mean, it all starts out as an idea. You know, Snakes Up Lakes was just an idea. It was a three-in-the-morning idea, and I just acted upon it. So it was tough to talk myself into acting upon it because I wanted to go to bed uh, but I'm glad I did because it launched this new career for me. So with with the papers, it is me very. It's it's me trying very hard to uh, um, make sure I act upon ideas by posting it up on a wall and it's staring me in my face until I cross it out, meaning it's done. So it's just like it's me making sure that this idea uh, gets note, noted and make sure it gets done and the just writing it down is like the surefire way to make that happen so now you've been making videos and making stuff for a very long time that's visible to us online yeah dude. why don't we go back in time and say like what what is your your origin when it comes to storytelling or creation like like when did you were you doodling when you were you know in third grade were you doodling and telling stories and funny jokes or how did this all come to be I think the um, the furthest I could think back to me being like I want to create something was um, in Saturday mornings. My grandpa would call me and and tell me that the Three Stooges were on TV on some like random channel. And uh, you know the Three Stooges, of course, yeah. Okay. yeah. So uh, just goofy, like adults being goofy and you know very slapstick type of humor, but it dazzled me as a kid. And um, I wanted to, like, recreate that because I guess that showed me, like, oh, adults could be silly, too. And, like, I don't know. Any, and when I was younger, I was like, anything that adults are doing means it's, like, real and taken seriously. And I, then I saw these adults acting as kids. So I guess, like, my brain was, like, putting two and two together that I could do that one day for a living. I wasn't sure how, you know, be creative and goofy for a living. But I wanted to recreate that. And we had a home camcorder, like a big bulky one. And I asked my dad to turn it on and teach me how to use it. And I'm like seven or eight years old. And I would just like act goofy in front of the camera, try to do like what the Three Stooges were doing. And that kind of, that's as far back as I could remember. From there, we eventually got a smaller camera that was a DV tape recorder. Um, my dad got it for my mom for Mother's Day, and she never used it. So I just took it and ran with it. And I'm the oldest of, like, three other siblings, so I always always cast them. And, like, we'd make these home movies and, you know, using ketchup as blood and, like, horror movies and, like, you know, stuff like that. Like, 
um, the only editing was me just stopping and starting. In camera, yeah. In camera. And yeah. when my friends would come over, I would just show them the video on the screen. And uh, that, you know, I still have, like, the sound of, like, the stop-start stuck in my head. And then, like, you know, still, though, I didn't have a place to post it. It wasn't until 2007, 2006, when my dad was reading a magazine and they were talking about this website, this new website called YouTube. And we went upstairs to the computer and we checked it out. And um, we spent, like, days trying to figure out how to, like, export (laughs) a video and uploading it but we uploaded a video to youtube and it was just one of the home movies we made and uh that that was mind-blowing to me it was the start of like everything like eventually i learned how to do it myself and um then i guess it it i didn't i wasn't allowed to post my face on youtube at first though because i was too young and my parents weren't sure what it was so i just uploaded my domino toppling which was the other thing that i had going on and um I would just set up dominoes for like hours in my basement and film it being knocked down and I would upload it. And little did I know there's a, like a whole community. That's a whole thing. Yeah, was a that's whole a whole thing. thing. Like early, and it is whole, so satisfying thing. to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would do well today on like TikTok. It, it still does. It still like, does. It's I, like a big community. I have a friend named Lily who does it professionally now and she started back then. Like she remembers me uploading back then but she like does it for like movie productions now. She did it for... A Will Smith movie. She did it for um, Jimmy Fallon the other wow. week. So like, uh, but she remembers my username was Best Pal back then, and I, I had like a hundred videos like going strong in like fifth grade, and I had like five hundred subscribers. And I remember like walking around in school like with this confidence that like, you know, the kids here may not like think I'm like the coolest guy ever, but I feel like the coolest guy ever because I have all these subscribers and people around the world watching me. So I was like, that concept was very, it was introduced very early in my life, Mm -hmm. just in terms of like comments and like, and well, back then it was five star ratings. How old were you when that was happening? Fifth grade, I I guess I was... uh, Like nine or 10 years old? Yeah, nine or 10. Wow. Um, Yeah. And and were you watching other YouTube creators at that time? Other domino creators, at least. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And the likes and comments for you at that time were a source of confidence... Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it was valid. I guess it's more validation than confidence. It was validation that I was doing something right, you know. And uh, e- even if the people that were immediately around me physically didn't quite get it, there was people beyond the small suburbia hometown that did get it and did get value out of it. I didn't understand it that to that degree back then, but that's I I, I felt it at least, and um, it was uh, just so. Uh, like early onset kind of introduced to me like this is uh like this is a thing that uh uh you obviously flourish in for whatever reason and i just never stopped after that so at what point does it go from dominoes to you actually being on camera and sketches again yeah so i think it was come like the end of sixth grade which felt like forever you know a year later and from fifth to sixth grade you're like a whole new person but uh, I, I just I think I finally got permission to upload my face, and I, that's when I started uploading my short films. This is when I started seeing other people on YouTube do short films, at, or or like skits, comedy skits, um, and I was very inspired by that. 
but I didn't really have any friends that were into it. So it was all just like me, tripod, setting up the shot, acting, stopping the camera, setting up the new shot, like running around like a little maniac. And um, then I started uploading those and it was like my first like rebrand and like, you know, going through the motions of like rebranding. And um, I guess from there, that's when it like, it, it it was like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, me experimenting with all that. It wasn't until eighth grade that I started. Uh, I remember I made my first video that really hit, and it was about Justin Bieber. And I accidentally stumbled into like, oh, this is like how keywords work and current events and popular topics. And so I had Justin Bieber in the title, and um, I woke up the next day and I had like like five hundred comments. And this is like two thousand ten. 2009 and I was like holy shit like this is incredible and I had all these new subscribers and it was the best feeling in the world and um, from there I kind of just continued building up this thing and by 2011 I had like 50,000 subscribers and uh, that was all just me being known for like my long like Bieber haired funny goofy skits um uh, that kind of still has some like cartoons in it even back then, which is wild. Are you doing voices in those pieces? Like the Justin Bieber piece? No, it's like my face. It's like me, like, um, what was I doing? I think I was just like making up like a skit about, uh, me being Justin Bieber. And I don't even, I think there was like a talking banana in it. And it was just like me underneath the camera holding up a banana and voicing the banana but, um, yeah, no, it was, like, straight up my face, like, acting in funny skits, acting as different characters, kind of like early Shane Dawson type of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was what I was doing probably up until, I guess I did it all the way up until 2012, 2013. Um, and then I fell off of it for a little bit. And then I came back a bunch of years later, full-fledged cartoon mode. But yeah. I think what I love about your early stuff is that, like you said, you're doing the voice of a banana. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you are actually animating an inanimate object and like giving life to it before you're necessarily putting any graphics to it. There's a lot of odd, constant themes throughout the years. There's some cartoons in my early 2011 stuff. I think you saw it in like the Bigfoot one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like shitty like uh like almost microsoft paint-esque drawings that are like same style that i got going on right now and um even back then when i would do those types of doodles in my videos like those were the things that really stuck out to people to like other content creators that were doing at the time because i guess it was the only defining factor that set itself apart from all the other stuff that other people were doing and uh, i would have like content creator friends like asking me to like draw like a weird creature for their video so i didn't realize it back then but the drawings were always the uh the special sauce um but i never pursued like a straight up animation back then i think i had like a little clip in one of the 2011 type of skit vlog videos where it was like i don't know it had to be like 15 seconds that was like my first official animation it was like about like a dude offering a guy an ice cream cone and then the ice cream cone turns into like a monster and there's like a panda involved <laughs> 15 seconds and uh 
but that was me like discovering this like animation thing. But again, like I didn't come back with it until like five years later. Wow. Um, but it was laying the foundation for it, you know, which is crazy to think about. So wait, where did you grow up? Like where are these stories set? Long Island, New York. Long Island. Yeah. And uh, two other questions about like your upbringing. So it sounds like your, your dad was pretty supportive of your creativity. Both my parents. Yeah, both my parents. I think my dad just, um, he was the one that just happened to be reading the magazine. Um, This is a very diplomatic answer because I know my my mom and dad both want to be mentioned and everything. Um, But (laughs) my dad just happened to be reading the right magazine at the right time. And he was like, what's this YouTube thing? We went up and we checked it out. But um, my mom as well, like she, I remember I was like freaking, we were going Christmas tree shopping one Christmas and uh, I was like freaking out because like I, ju- I just didn't have time to go Christmas tree shopping. I was like, I got to make this YouTube video like I got to upload tonight. And there was like no reason I had to. It was just my schedule in my head. It was the most important thing in the world to me. And I think for some reason, my mom realized at that point on that night, on that Christmas uh, snowy night that uh, it was this it was so important to me that I stayed on schedule with this stuff that she drove me home so I could finish editing wow. and upload in time. So it was always like, they never really knew that it would become as big as it is right now. Um, but they, they knew there was something there. And uh, I'm very grateful that, that that was the case. Cause they did, they weren't one of the parents to just shower me with like buying me all the latest equipment. But um, I had a iMac and I had a camera and that's all I needed. You know, like I never got like the new DSLRs when they were coming out, but I made it work anyway. And, you know, it, uh, it, uh, they were very, very, very supportive of me. So I know that's not the case with everybody. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like throughout school, investing your time and like editing is not a like quick hobby. No. Right. Like you're, that's like nights, weekends, like, I, yeah, dude, for the, for the first two years of high school, I didn't go to parties. My weekends were, I would come home, I would film Friday afternoon, edit Friday night, edit all day Saturday, upload Saturday night, and then respond to comments all of Sunday and then go to school. Did, did, were there other people in your school or your neighborhood nope. who were doing what you were doing no could nah. anyone understand you or did were there people who actively thought it was strange and like would would verbally say that to you or did you feel like an outsider at all by doing youtube i, f- I definitely felt like an outsider um it was weird because like i would always be really embarrassed if kids found out about my youtube and this seems to be like very common it seems to be a common thing from what i've heard um, cause in my YouTube videos, I was very random and outgoing and hyper and in real life I was very mellow and chilled and quiet. Like I was pretty much a mute <laughs> and, uh, you know, so people would see this like complete alter ego. The worst was my mom when she would be on like these parent teacher conferences, she would tell all the teachers about my YouTube channel. And I think at the end of the day, it helped them understand who I was as a person. But the worst was me showing up to class one day and like the teacher being like, Danny, I saw your videos on YouTube. They're crazy. And it's just like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, that's so cringe. Like, <laughs> you know, they're just like, I really don't understand what's going on, but good job. Yeah. And it's like, 
I feel like now teachers understand at least a little more what's going on because they see like child superstars being born out of this, like Billie Eilish and shit. But twenty ten, twenty eleven, they they might as well have been watching some like Japanese anime, bro, because like that didn't make any sense, and it was like random humor and monsters hyper video flashy editing and um they probably thought i was insane but i i I guess it did help them understand that i was different and but creative i don't know so at what point did that pendulum kind of swing where like the person you are the person you were on youtube you know obviously you're not that exact person in real life but you're clearly way more comfortable with yeah. who you are, the way your mind operates, yeah, much more unforgiving about it. Was there a moment where it kind of started to shift for you when you were younger? In what regard? Like In terms of not feeling as much like an outcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there was, there was very steady points throughout like middle school, for example, where like a kid that I wouldn't expect to think what I was doing on YouTube is cool told me like oh that's really cool and i was like oh okay like mind you like when i was going through school youtube wasn't there wasn't like the david dobricks like there wasn't like people that kids looked up to as youtubers my little brother is 14 and like their whole world is tiktok and youtube and instagram like back then there wasn't if you like if you had a youtube video to watch and you wanted to tell your friends about it it was kind of like weird you know it was like why do you why do you watch youtube but now every like people watch youtube instead of television now you know but there were probably like somewhere in in high school is when like i definitely started feeling cooler about it like that's when i gained a little more confidence and i kind of owned up to it a little more and like the older like the seniors around town would like yell out their call their cars like youtube sensation when they would see me coming out of the starbucks and i felt cool about that it wasn't like it was also they were genuinely being like nice and chill about it um it wasn't like a a mocking thing and um i i guess i ended up like yeah i ended up seeing that oh this is like not such a bad thing um once I got into college, even though I wasn't really making YouTube videos at that point, I definitely saw that like, oh, like th- people really like vibe with my creativity and my weirdness, even like a hundred times more so than middle school and high school. So then I was like, damn, like I wish I was still doing YouTube. This would be the perfect, uh, you know, uh, thing to make me cool again. But um, I wasn't really, and I was kind of just like doing one off. I did like short films and stuff. Um, but uh, this was like two years before Snakes Have Legs. So it was like a weird in between point at this point in my life. It was like total gray area. Wasn't sure where I wanted to dedicate my time creatively. Um, Snakes Have Legs kind of got me back back on track for real, which so is crazy. Talk us through Snakes on Legs, obviously, like yeah. super pivotal moment for you what is the idea where did it come from uh i was brushing my teeth it was three in the morning i was it was summer it was like june i just had this visual in my head of this this type of pink and kind of that type of green um and i I just had this visual of a snake and i was like that's cool i want to draw that then i was like "Eh, it would be cool to like make a little skit about it let me figure out how to to make it move because i had some experience years prior like during the youtube on how to make pictures move and 
I drew it on an index card, then I vectorized it on my phone, imported it into Final Cut, made it move, made a little skit to it. And it was like a little battle because I was like, damn, it's like three in the morning. I want to go to bed. But I fear if I, uh, you know, don't do it right now, I'm going to lose the idea. So I forced myself to do it. I had to like dig my mic out of a shoebox and like, you know, the whole thing. And um, you're like, do I really want to do this right now? Thank God I did. Because like a week later, like I got a DM saying like, hey, you're your video like is going crazy viral on a meme page. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And <laughs> I was like, my me- a meme page. And uh, it ended up like having gone viral on a bunch of meme pages, not just that one. And I was freaking out because like, I just went through like a head trip. I lost a buddy around this time and I lost my family dog and I lost my like great grandma. So like there was a whole bunch of shit going on at this point in my life. Then this started happening, which I think like ripped me out of the the funk I was in but um I wasn't being tagged for any of these things and I feared that like this is going to be like my 15 minutes of like passing fame and uh so I DM the meme page hey can you tag me they ended up being cool about it and then like I started like getting the tag everywhere and that's what started having the followers come in but um for that month I probably raked in like 50 million views in that video and that's when I was like oh my god like this is what I'm doing now like it took me a second to find out what I want to do but I just made a drawing that was goofy to completely my humor nothing was fabricated about it and um it like went world it was probably the most viral video of the month or at least of the week at that point, because it was like, it reached every corner of the world. It was huge in Brazil. Teachers were DMing me that they uh, were showing their students in their classroom. It just hit so hard because of the political um, climate we were in. It was like a pseudo-political piece about fake news, but I didn't plan for it to be as such. I just thought it would be a funny comment, you know, commentary type of piece about society, or at least as it was that summer. So, uh, but it, it really did launch an entire new career for me. All right. So talk us through the idea for snakes have legs and, and kind of like what, what was happening in that actual video? So it was, it was a yellow character saying that he saw a Facebook article saying that snakes have legs and a snake coming into frame saying, you know, you're crazy for thinking this. Um, where did you get your news information from? And the yellow character says the daily testicle. And it's like a whole commentary about like, (laughs) doesn't he say like, well, that sounds like a legitimate publication. Yeah. 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 He's like, well, you should stop. Like he should, he said, well, you should stop that. And the yellow character says, stop the internet. And the snake says, no, the internet is an amazing tool that could be used for amazing things, but you should stop being dumb on the internet. And it's like, I was really believing this at the time. I wrote on a piece of paper that I still have that that says the internet is amazing, dumb, and horrible, which, you know, it it really could be used for so much good, and it's what I'm trying to do right now with my content, but there's also so much shit that happens on it that it is used for dumb and horrible things. So the internet is a tool. It should be used for the right reason. I think that's what I got across with the Snakes Have Legs video, but... um. It ends up, the video ends with the, uh, the yellow character cutting off the snake and saying unfriend and continuing to believe that snakes have legs. So 
what was going on in the summer of 2017 was everybody was unfriending each other because they didn't believe each other's ideas and it just perpetuated this uh, very single-minded thinking and nobody was learning anything because they just kept unfriending each other, right? So um, the message there hit really hard with people. It didn't side with any political um, agenda, so everybody related to it. And it had a universal enough message that I think everybody got something out of it. And I'm glad it, I'm glad that's the video that went viral. All my other videos were kind of just goofy and random. But I think this one was simple and colorful enough of a message that it really resonated with people, which I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about. I say nothing else. Like if I never got like followers or a career out of it, if it just did the numbers that it did and nothing else, I would still be happy about it. And what other type of content did you have across your pages at the time? Was it similar enough that when people came, they were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm here for this? Or was it's it a great like, questions. were you like, whoa, oh, I got to make some more content like this so people stick around? It was, I think there was enough on there. I quickly, because of like my years prior of knowing what to do, when stuff like this happens, because I would see what would happen to other people that went viral, I knew I had to make my channel or my page look as pretty as possible. So I, I, I quickly hopped on the arch- archiving train and just started archiving a bunch of stuff that wasn't great, you know, just like pictures of just, you know, whatever. It wasn't going to re- resonate with anybody. I tried, I, I did post a lot of doodles. Um, so I kept mostly doodles up. I kept some pictures of like me doing something funny up. Like there was just a picture of like me with like the font over my face saying butts and like, you know, just like I wanted them to, you're completely right. Like at a glance, I wanted them to get the vibe Mm -hmm. of who I was so that they would hit follow and stay for more. I didn't have any other animations up for the most part. I had maybe one or two, um, drawing type of things, but, um, you know, I, I quickly wanted to make the next one and the next one so that I could build up that archive. You know, um, I remember like once I had six animations, once I made once I made five more after Snakes Have Legs, then at a glance it looked like, right? Oh, this guy's an animation guy's page, just, and yeah. I remember being stoked about that. Um, yeah. If you scrolled any, anywhere further, it was like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so where were you in life at this point? Were you in college or were you still in high school? I was, in, co- I was in college. I, I, this was actually Where'd during my, uh, I, was, I went to Pace University. This was actually during my uh, one year hiatus from, from college. I tried to launch a video production company, which I still am legally under that alias. Um, but um, I was doing music videos and like corporate videos during this time. And uh, I was I was slotted to go slotted. I was like, I, I had to go back to college in like a few months. This was the summer before me mm. going back to school. And uh, I remember being kind of bummed that it didn't happen the summer before so I could have like a whole year to focus on it. But uh, I tried to go back to school, man. And uh, I, I first started out full time. And then two weeks in, there was like a school shooting scare. And I took that as a sign to like maybe just do part time. I'm like, I don't want to die in college. I don't want right. to die in a classroom. Sure. And, uh, you know, just because, like, I have so much I want to do. It was, like, a yeah. very meta realization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so then I went down to part-time. And uh, around the part-time type of class schedule, that's when I had, like, a bunch of other animations hit off. And uh, that's when my manager found me. 
And that's when I started making a bunch of friends in the field. And then over winter break, I had uh, my first trip out to L.A. for my animations just six months after Snakes and Wow, Legs. that's really wow. fast. Yeah, yeah, because my manager set up a bunch of pitch meetings. So six months after Snakes Have Legs, I was pitching to Lionsgate animation ideas, wow. which is crazy to think about. Um, that's wild, man. Yeah. So, what did your parents, so were your parents still supportive of this as you got older? How did yeah. their support change or remain? And uh, like your family, like when this thing started to go viral, Snakes Have Legs, how, what did everyone around you, family, friends, what did they say? Were they like, yo, this is... Is that you? Is that your voice? What's going on here? Yeah, I remember my mom was really proud of it. She liked the messaging behind it. My dad was kind of confused, um, but he was still supportive. I, I knew, I know they were very wary once my manager came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very wary about me going to L.A. Um, they were very wary about what, what I was going to say is like after I came back from L.A., um, I had my next semesters like ready to go and I I came back from like pitching like to Lionsgate and a bunch of other media companies and it was like really surreal and amazing and um, I went back to Pace University for a animation class and it was like the most boring thing and most like like the energy in the room was like a cemetery and I was (laughs) like this is not what should be happening. And I was just like a major con, like black and white thing. I had a very big boy sit down discussion with my parents after that. I was just like, listen, I think there's something here. Um, I think I need to take another year off. And um, they were like, I think they were on board with it, you know, just to see. And and also, I guess they were in in no rush for me to go into debt (laughs) with student loans. So we gave it another year. Big things happened. Amazing things happened. Slowly but surely, the co- college conversation kind of went to the uh, the sidelines. Um, but I'm glad I had that. I call it a big boy conversation because I was nervous for it. I was nervous to tell my parents that um, I think the best move is for me not to go to school anymore. Like, But I knew that it had to be a conversation that had to happen if I wanted to see my dreams blossom. And... Uh, it's tough, you know, it's, it's like, um, around the same time I saved up enough money to move out. And it was like, that was scary. Cause like at a certain point, like I almost didn't have enough money to pay another month of rent. Like, but it's all, if you're doing shit that scares you, that means you're doing, you're moving in the right direction. So I, I knew that. And I knew that, um, I was at least I didn't know where exactly I was going, but I knew it was in the general direction of what, what I wanted my life to be. So I was confident in that regard, but, um, they were, they were wary about everything, I guess is what I'm saying. Slowly but surely I started proving myself with like the first big ish check through my animation and like my first like speaking engagement, you know, I went to India. Um, I started proving myself in ways that got, a mom or dad's attention, you know, subscribers don't mean shit to a mom or dad. The money does, you know, just saying it like it is. And like the novelty type of stuff, like, Hey, like I'm being flown out to India to speak in front of Mm -hmm. 15,000 people. Like, huh, that's a big deal, you know? So, uh, it just takes time. I, I convincing parents is the toughest part. I feel like for a lot of kids, you know, totally. I feel like we went years 
uh, just feeling like maybe we weren't doing the best job of expressing it or we didn't have the tools because there were a number of years where you don't have the views, you don't have the subscribers, you're maybe not speaking in front of tens of thousands of people. But we have had some moments too where it's like finally over the course of the last eight years, there's things that translate. Yeah. And a lot of times for us, it's been like television. The couple right. times that we've been on television right. or we've produced something that's been on television makes total sense. Right. Yeah, man. It's like people ask me like, why do I want to get a TV show? And it's kind of like, well, if you have like a show that sells to like a Quibi or something, mm-hmm. it's the same budget as a TV show, it's the same reach, if not more than a TV if not show. More. I mean, your YouTube channel is probably more hundred percent than a TV show. Yeah. But your grandparents aren't going to be stoked about, right. <laughs> you know, your grandparents are going to be stoked about, Oh, my grandson's on TV just cause it's grand. It's a grandfathered in term, you know? And I just think like logically and technically like that, like it's just like, one word has more people excited than the other. You know, one term has more like clout behind it than the other. Um, and it's just, that's just is what it, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I think uh, um, having a TV show would be dope for a whole bunch of other reasons. But that is definitely a huge reason, like impressing like your immediate sure. family, you know, is, is like high up there for me. So, I mean, what's crazy for us. Uh, when I'm hearing your story is that when you first started making YouTube videos, even when you say like you had 50, how old were you when you had 50,000 subscribers? 14, 15. First time we had 50,000 subscribers, we were probably your age. Right now? Yeah. Oh, we're okay. probably 24 years old because yeah, we yeah, started yeah. on YouTube when we were 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But and that's so, like, like a huge, you guys are like already like, you reached, you went from zero to 50K in two years. That's, in, yeah. that's incredible. On our first channel, yeah. On our first I mean, channel. Yeah, dude, yeah. that shit took me like, five years or like yeah like five six years you know it's it's a wild journey and it's it's even tougher to express you know when you're when you start to get older and you want to do this and you're having like and it's such a slower process than a lot of other businesses it's way more intangible yeah than like but you are absolutely like an entrepreneur in the most serious sense of that word yeah yeah, where you have to manage your own time schedule your own product is your brain you have to figure out how like to then materialize that into it just takes time so much time investment into your own product yeah yeah uh, yeah and management of yourself especially when you are the product right right it's it's a wild journey it takes a lot of uh self-awareness and and patience and i guess these are all virtues that were introduced very early into my life because of YouTube. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it goes south, like for other people, you know, it's not meant, not everybody handles it the right way. I guess I was always, um, uh, I always balanced it pretty well. I, I, I guess I had like a few nervous breakdowns in like freshman year of high school when I wasn't managing my time correctly. I very, very quickly adjusted because I have good people in my life who uh, told me like, yo, like, chill (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you can't be doing this this is not like healthy or sustainable um so i always like knew that balance was the key um and it is tough as like a content creator to like be aware of like your health and your mental health and i try to be as aware of that as i can right now i don't think my job is as tough as like a david dobrik or someone who has to be on camera and and be on all the time so like I, I don't know if I could ever do stuff like that, but um, 
you know, it, it, it does help to just be super aware. Um, but I, I can't help but feel like I have it a little easier because like, I'm not known for like my art is more known than like I am as the person. Right. And I just feel like that's a little bit of like an easier way to go about it. It's like a superhero thing. Like you're a little disconnected too, because if something, one of your ideas doesn't do well. Yeah. It's, it's like, not about your personal life. It's not, you know what I mean? Like when yeah, you have my character say something controversial, right, yeah. and I'm like, I, that was him. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, but for real, like if you're, if you're a vlogger and you're making a piece that's really personal to you and you put it out, it's about your personal life, about yeah. people in your life and everyone's talking shit on the, in the comments and no one likes it. It's like, wow, that's my life. It's tough. That man. People are reacting yeah. to right now. Uh, yeah. In right? a way, like I'm scared to start doing like podcasts and, um, show more of like my life because like that is the case mm-hmm. like people just have more like to maybe not like about you to potentially hate about you right or hate on about you sure so but that just that just comes with it man you know yeah, and i'm and i'm ready for territory. it to be honest like I, I remember like all the hate comments i got when i was growing up man like i had like super dark circles in my eyes and i had like yellow teeth for some reason and it's like i looked like i smoked but i didn't and i would like get so many comments and messages about it i just like from an again from an early age i just like saw youtube for what it was said okay like that kind of sucks but i guess i'm just gonna have to get over it and i did that's so interesting especially even what you just said that you had like kind of a nervous breakdown and had dealt with a lot of the stuff in ninth grade yeah because in my opinion it's incredibly valuable to have those types of experiences young because you're so much more powerful at like the age of 24 for you now you've yeah. dealt with certain things that if they right. come again you're like oh okay this is not i've unfamiliar. seen it before i've seen it before i know how to deal with this yeah yeah you definitely I, and i guess because it happened so early like it's just like it was easier to handle because you know i was like i, I was living rent free living at my right. parents house like i had less shit to worry about so it was just like more of a controlled situation back then for me to learn these very uncontrollable things. Right. Um, I'm glad things happen when they did. There's still new stuff happening all the time right now, sure. but um, you know, it's, it's, I, I think the majority of what I need to learn, I already learned when I was growing up doing it for sure. At so, least in the YouTube space. So recently you've had a lot of new developments in your career, you know, being having your art be on Times Square, yeah, which is incredible on the screens in Times Square. That's like a dream for I think anyone and every creative. Hell yeah, for um, sure. Releasing an album recently on Spotify, yeah. Your creativity has taken you so many different places. So y- you had mentioned that there was kind of a funk and maybe some turmoil internally that Snakes had have legs came out of. Yeah. After Snakes have legs, was it all? smooth sailing on the rise and everything kind of built towards where you are today or that were there more ups and downs were there any other down points where creativity came out of i mean i i'm pretty sure it all just came i, I want to say it was all slowly rising since snake have legs because like i can't i struggle to think of any down points because it's it's just constantly building um i'm sure there'll be like ebbs and there was definitely ebbs and flows along the way where like sir sometimes i felt more inspired than other times there's probably a time before i started like dropping merch and having live events where i felt like okay like what else is going to happen like this is not feeling entirely exciting anymore 
So that's why I'm always looking for something new to keep me excited, like an album, like a mini series, Times Square screen, merch, collabs. Um, so, but I haven't hit a down point yet. I know I have to be ready for it, um, you know, but everything has been pretty on the rise so far in terms of just new experiences where I feel like I'm constantly learning and working towards something. The second it stops feeling like that, I know I'll have to uh, reevaluate or take a break or something. But this only happened two years ago. So it's still pretty early to say. Um, and I've, I'm just a naturally hard worker. So I, I think I've just been working hard towards something, even though I don't know what that something is. I don't know what that end goal is. I just I get so much joy out of working. So. Um, I guess that's a good thing. That sounds like a psychopathic, psycho, you know, like like a crazy <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it's, I don't know, it's so, the truth. So after, this is just going back quickly to that that moment of, of Snakes Have Legs and, and you're going viral and people are coming to your page. Um, you call yourself a bad animator. And I think, you know, after spending the day with you, it's it's really cool, a lot of the reasoning behind that and, and some of the pride you have in your style. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure right after that to up-level your style or when when you were meeting with TV or Lionsgate or anything like that? Or did you say, like, I love this style. This is what I like. I'm going to keep going with this kind of stuff. I always kept with this style. This this style is so different um, and so unique and so simple that it just stands out, plain and simple. You know, like, I, I think that's what, like, these other, like, like a Lionsgate company saw that oh, I'm, I've been blessed that these other, like all these big companies see where I'm coming from and what I'm getting at with these simple designs. And I think like, you know, in a world where there's so many talented artists, like there is just more, um, what's the word there? There's more like, uh, there's less originality. There's more people like copying each other's style, whether they know it or not. This, I just think is so simple that, uh, no one really kind of uh, has done it yet. So I, I, I fell backwards into my own style and uh, just ran with it. And I'm, I'm glad it worked that way. If, I, if, you, if you told me before this to just sit down and come up with a style that you think is like marketable and successful, I don't know if I would be able to do it. I wouldn't come up with this. Um, I just fell into it and, and was like, oh, this is working so far. So, um, yeah, you know. I'm going to wait for that. Yeah, for sure. How are we doing on time? Good, man. We're, Maybe uh, another 10. We're at 5.09. Right? 5.09. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Just a couple more questions here. Sounds good, man. So talk to me about the concept of bad, bad animator. You, you, like, you seem to have that across the board as a big part of your brand. Yeah. Like something that you identify as. Um, you showed us your equipment. You showed us your process, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. insane and crazy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and wildly simple at its core. Right. Of course, there's so much creativity and so much design and so much thought that goes into it. But at the at the core of it, it's like I was even surprised at how I was like, oh, this is how he's doing it. That's so interesting. Um, I couldn't have imagined that that's how you're bringing these characters to life. Keep it simple, man. You know, simple equipment, simple process. That's that way people it's just easy to di- digest, you know. Yeah. And, and you showed us your mic as well. 
and you know the concept that your microphone is it's like a forty dollar USB mic that yeah. you record your Hell voiceover yeah. with. And, Hell yeah. And when you're recording it, like it's peaking and it's kind of like clipping. Clipping yeah, yeah, and at yeah. times it doesn't sound it's not like a voiceover booth. Yeah. What, what do you think that does when someone's consuming it on the other side? Like why why is that style digestible and viral? I, I like to think that it just it doesn't sound overproduced. It sounds like you know, people made like musicians make their best shit when they're like recording something in the back of their van or like recording something in their basement. Um, you know, I want I wanted to have that feeling of like, you know, I rolled out of bed and I turned on my computer and I just made a funny skit and animated to it. That's that stuff that the that the internet love. Internet doesn't love like overproduced stuff. It's just how it is. People aren't going to share it. They're going to feel like some corporations behind it. I don't want my stuff to be too polished. So, I really like when like stuff's not perfect. I'll I'll leave in typos. I'll I'll leave in uh, mistakes. I'll leave in drawing errors. I'll leave in editing errors. I'll leave in that part where the mic clips because it's just more genuine. It's more of like a oh like. Whoever made this didn't give a fuck, dude. And uh, that's how I like to keep it. I think people people resonate with that. I think what's cool, too, is that, you know, if you're a young creator, a young aspiring animator, and you watch your stuff, even though there's so much that goes into what you're doing, it can feel attainable. Yeah. Because of the look, because of some of the typos. Yeah. Which is really exciting. Like, that gets you excited when you're young and you're watching something like that. And you're thinking, oh, that's not that crazy. I could do that. Right. But what's also cool about your pieces is that they also reach a non-creator audience. It's not just geared towards people who are interested in telling stories as well. That there are, you know, some videos that are like, you know, watch this if you're sad. Right, right. A universal message that and sort of effect that a video like that can have on people. Yeah. So I would love to know more from you. Like, what is the kind of intended effect now as you look forward for your pieces that you're going to continue to make and the message that you try and sort of instill, like who's the kid that you're trying to reach and the effect you're trying to leave. Yeah. I guess I'm just trying to reach the kid that, uh, you know, has no one to talk to or, or doesn't have, uh, an outlet to be honest, um, about their emotions with, you know, I'm, I was very fortunate that um, whenever I, I felt depressed or something, I would either have my parents to talk to about it. I was very close to my my family, um, or if I or if or if I didn't want to tell them, I I would express it through my art. Not anybody has, not just anybody has those. Um, I don't know. They don't, they don't have outlets like that, either parents or friends, or some people don't know how to express it through, through art or they don't feel comfortable doing it that way. So what I guess I hope on doing, and I guess I stumbled upon doing is when you see a very simple cartoon design like this, your guard is down. You think it's going to be some like shock humor or some clickbait type of dumb stuff, some goofy stuff. So your guards down, you go into this video you half think it's going to be a joke or something or dumb or something. And then it like starts talking about heavy topics like depression and like sadness. And I think because the viewer's guard is down, it like gets to them and it hits them where it, where it matters. Um, and, uh, I think that's, what's important. You know, you have like, I've gotten a lot of DMS from a lot of kids who are going through some really heavy, depressing shit. Um, like sick family members and deaths and really bad stuff. 
and my animations are are there for them, even though like nothing else is, it seems like at the time. So um, again, like didn't go into this industry planning for that, but it's, it's what, what, it's what's happening. And I, I think that's what I, I want to reach more people like that who, who don't have um, or don't know where to go and don't know what to look for to help them, to comfort them, um, to aid them in their time of need. And I think short, sweet, colorful cartoons and songs are um, very palatable and easily accessible with the Internet that uh, it's just what's there for people right now. And I, I, I hope I can continue doing that to some degree, whether it's a book or a song or, or uh, another uh, cartoon. That's awesome. I can't believe we haven't asked you this, but when and how did you switch to the branding of Cool Man Coffee Dan? Where does that come from? <laughs> um, yeah, well, my first username was Best Pal. That was Domino's. Then it moved it moved to Danny's studio, which I believe is still my, my YouTube username URL. Um, but, uh, cool man coffee, Dan came from, I learned how to use Photoshop one day and I Photoshopped a skeleton on my face. This is like <laughs> kind of stupid. <laughs> and, uh, I guess this was like junior year in high school. This is while I was like in my creative gray area. I wasn't really posting at this point, but, um, so I made it my Twitter profile picture, the skeleton face picture, and I made my Twitter name Cool Man Skeleton Dan. I thought that sounded hilarious. And I'm like, this will be great. Every week, I'll Photoshop a new picture of me with a different thing, and it'll be Cool Man Blank Dan. So then the following week, it was a selfie of me drinking coffee. I just discovered coffee at this point in my life. I was stoked about it. I was getting all my homework done. And... uh <laughs> I changed it to Cool Man Coffee Dan, and then I never, <laughs> oh, you never, I never did it again. <laughs> and uh, like people in high school started calling me Cool Man Coffee Dan, and I was like, oh, this has a ring to it. Like, how hard is it to find a name that has a ring to it, or yeah. like a like a brand name Big or time, a username? Yeah. It's not just something that you could. It's not just something that happens. It has to have some last minute magic behind it. So I was like, I guess this is like my thing now. I changed my uh, my. Um, Instagram handle to cool man underscore coffee Dan. I, I didn't know you couldn't have a space, so you could only have an underscore. So I changed it from Danny Studio to cool man coffee Dan. And uh, the rest is history, man. You know, now I'm That's now awesome. I'm cool man coffee Dan. Amazing. Well, man, these, these animations have taken you to so many interesting places. Of course, we met at, you know, a, a Samsung event in San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, it's interesting that it's not necessarily you on screen, but because it's your art and you're the artist. You're not only, you know, traveling around, collaborating with people, showing up in, you know, Times Square, um, having a Spotify album, and and you're also going on tour. Yeah. So I wanted to talk just a little bit, if you could explain to us what happens on your tour. Yeah. Just tell us about, tell us about the tour. The tour, I've never been on tour before. This tour is going to be a drawing tour with a bunch of other very popular, cool animators on the internet. So we're going to six cities, I believe, on the West Coast. And we're going to be drawing on stage, hooked up to a big screen, and it'll be like interactive. So no two shows are quite the same, and the audience will be very responsible for what happens during the shows. Um, and uh, it's pretty much it's very similar to like my Instagram live shows, where 
the live feed tells me what to draw and I draw it and like it's chaos and it's funny and last minute and it's all jokes because it's all just like in the moment. So, um, you know, it's, it's all going to revolve around a meet and greet and we'll bring up different people from the audience onto the stage and it'll be fun games to play and uh, merch will be for sale and um, it'll all be really cool. I mean, it's a, it'll be a great new experience for me. I've never done it before and I've always wanted to go on tour. So, I'm stoked for it. That's really cool. It's probably cool to meet the fans who've been. It's the who, best part. You know, who have who have been touched by the stuff you made. Yeah. Is there anyone you've met who's been watching since the Domino's days? Man, or has anyone probably. reached out to you? Like, yeah, no, it definitely reached out to me, like messages and stuff. But uh, there might have been. I'm, I, I had to have met someone along the way that has has been along for the whole ride. But that's the craziest part is is those people that have been around for like ten plus years following my journey. Um, those. Those people are the best. I should send them a fruit basket or something. (laughs) All right, cool. Two last questions before we wrap up. One is, uh, if someone's listening, they haven't watched any of your stuff before, what do you think the first video is they should go watch on your channel right now? Um, Wow. I guess it would be like the heartfelt one. I think that my channel trailer is Please Don't Be Sad. And that's the... uh, that's the one that like pulls at your heartstrings. So if, if you like start off with like one of the heartfelt ones and say like, all right, this guy is for real. <laughs> um, like I, I like I teared up a little bit watching this. That was beautiful. Now I'm gonna watch something goofy where the character has nipples on it. Right. That's probably the order to go about it. That's the five course meal. You know, Got like it. go for it. <laughs> um, but That's yeah, I would watch. I would watch that. Like, please yeah. don't be sad. Music video for sure. Cool. And then my last question, one thing we connected on when we first met was yeah. our mutual love uh, and nostalgia for emo music. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, emo night is a, is a crazy, crazy party. Um, and I definitely plan on going back at the next so, L.A. show. Yeah, so the L.A. shows are local here on the east side of L.A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the number one emo band in, in your... If, in the, like, if you went back home... I just did this. I went back home. I looked at all my CDs. Yeah. Remember like a CD sleeve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a big notebook for with a sure. bunch of CDs. And I looked through it and I was like remembering all these bands. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I came across my Taking Back Sunday yeah, CD. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, it took took me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was one band for you? Or what's one band for you? Like emo band. <sighs> the thing is, I, I, I didn't even know that the songs I was listening to was considered emo music until I li- heard it at emo night. Like... They they were playing like three oh three and um, like uh, Papa Roach. I listened to a bunch when I right. was in. Uh, there was another one, Finger Eleven. Yeah, Finger. I 11. have their album. Yeah, in yeah, my yeah. CD sleeve. I yeah. really liked Finger Eleven in seventh grade. Um, they had like really good bass lines, right? They yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, pretty much also any any song that was like on that snowboard game for GameCube. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I know exactly. What a you're lot talking of about. E- yeah. solid emo hits on that shit. <laughs> Right, um, cool. but, uh, yeah, dude, I, I think emo night, um, you know, maybe I'll do like a cross live event with them one day. That'll be yeah, that'd crazy. Be I would love to attend, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let y'all, me know next time you go to emo night. Y'all no are way. the first ones who are invited, man. That's perfect, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks for filming with us. Hell and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Instagram at cool man, coffee, Dan and, uh, YouTube, Danny Casal. Uh, either of those will work just about anywhere. All right, cool. Thanks. Thanks, guys. 
That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you got some inspiration from Danny's story. Definitely go check out his animations. Check him out on YouTube, Instagram. Give him a follow if you don't already. He's an awesome guy and such an amazing creator. Thank you to all of you who've been leaving us voice messages here on Anchor. We have been receiving them and we will reply to them in our next episode. If you want to leave us a voice message, just download the Anchor app. There's a button in the top right corner when you check out our show and you can send us a voice message and we'll put it in the show. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Tweet us your thoughts at Colin and Samir and subscribe to us on YouTube. All right, we'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.